Hi, welcome to episode two of Life in a Leo. I'm your host, Rebecca Dengrove. Today we sat down with world champion power tumbler, Mel Doucette. Make sure to stay tuned through the entire episode so you can hear the best things that happened in the gym this week segment. And don't forget to email us your best things going on in the gym. We really want to hear from you. Send a voicemail to Rebecca at leotard.com. Now, let's get into the show. So I'm here with Melissa Doucette today. Well, you have an amazing story, and theres I feel like there's so much to talk about. Um, but let's start with, you know, um, I know you started gymnastics at the age of five. Why don't you give us a little bit of background on, on just your whole origin story, going from artistic gymnastics, collegiate gymnastics, and then becoming tumbling uh, athlete? Yep. Okay. First off, thank you so much. Um, first... I, I just saw my older sisters kind of doing gymnastics. I saw kids in school, like little kindergarten, doing gymnastics. And at five years old, I was like, oh, I don't know. I, I tried a bunch of sports, but gymnastics kind of stuck with me growing up. Um, I started at a little gym called Kelly's Gymnastics just in the town that I lived in. And then I started competing um, level four and five. There wasn't really level three back then. And once I got to optionals, I decided to take a jump and switch gyms to Atlantic Gymnastics, which was very well known in the area, which is a little further away. Was this all in New Hampshire? Yep, all in New Hampshire. Cool. And how old were you when you started competing level four, level five? Around seven. It was just a couple years later after I started. Cool. Um, And then a couple years later, I made optionals. and at that time, it was level six was optionals. Um, and that's when I moved to Atlantic. And there's a coach, Tony Retrosi and Corey Cunningham, that were very well known. And I wanted to be coached by them and see the other level 10s. New Hampshire Gymnastics isn't, isn't so big where, I mean, there's one or two gyms in the whole state that are well known for level 10s. And Atlantic, I knew, was the place that I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And so... So I climbed up the levels, made level 10. So my first year when I was level 10 was 12 years old. And I we ended wow. up competing in France. Just, you know, my gym went. I think my coach knew other coaches in France and decided to take a group of girls. So I went there. But quickly after that, I hurt my shoulder, which is was my biggest injury at the time. Let you quit the sport for a couple years. Did it, what, did you dislocate it or what did you do? Yep. So it ended up being a labrum tear and part of my bicep tendon was compromised. Oh man. It was over time. It wasn't like a big injury where, you know, I fell on my shoulder and dislocated. It was just over time. So I decided it was either surgery or quit. And I decided to quit. I was kind of burnt out at that moment. Do you think Um, part of that was like you had progressed so quickly through the levels that was there not like proper conditioning or do you think it just was like too many repetitions or do you, do you know? You know, I think, I think all the conditioning was in place and everything, everything was fine that I, that I wouldn't look back on my training and think anything was wrong. I I just Mm -hmm. think I have, have a big injury and surgery would have fixed it later on in life. I did get surgery and I was able to continue, but I think that time in my life, there was a lot going on that 
my parents just got divorced at the same time that my injury happened and mm. there's just a lot going on where I decided, you know, gymnastics isn't for me right now. Yeah. And, um, so I switched to diving and I did my, um, throughout my high school years, I did diving and I hold the records, which is, which is really cool for only doing it for a short amount of time. Yeah. So once I turned 16 though, I realized that, you know, gymnastics is, the structure that I want in my life. And so at 16, I remember going back to the gym and having a meeting, like, I just want to come back and my goal is still a full scholarship. And that's what I'm here to do. And kind of my outlook on gymnastics completely changed in that moment that I was doing it for for a purpose, rather than just going to the gym every day doing my gymnastics and leaving. Yeah, I think having a more mature outlook really helped me become a great level 10. Only when I came back did I make J.O. Nationals a couple of years in a row. And then it was my senior year that, no, I mean, nobody really, I, I came back my junior year and actually I took another year of high school so that I could have another year of gymnastics under my belt since I, stu- since I just came back. Um, and I wasn't really getting offers from a lot of schools at that point. Nobody really know, knew my name. And Alaska offered me a full school full scholarship so so I decided to sign with Alaska oh that's awesome did you did you try to pursue other schools on your own or you were just hoping that you know they would seek you out and that's how that's why Alaska right okay I remember emailing after my first year at J.O. Nationals, I think I came in dead last. I'm pretty sure I came in dead last, my first J.O. Nationals. <laughs> but you were there! <laughs> yeah, I was happy. But um, I remember giving, I don't know, giving them DVDs at the time uh-huh. of, of my gymnastics, which I look back on YouTube of my, like, recruiting video. And I'm like, oh, my God, that full-in almost landed in my head. <laughs> colleges that I at least can do a full-in, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, no, I remember seeking them out. Um, I I emailed UNH and they offered me a walk-on spot, which which I thought was super cool. You know, if if nobody offered me, I'd, I'd stay at home and go to my school that I thought all these girls were celebrities because I would go to every single meet growing up. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but Alaska did offer me, so I ended up signing with them. Awesome. And then I know you, what year did you end up transferring to um, University of Bridgeport and what made you, you know, what was the decision process there? Right. So again, going back to like when I came back, I had a purpose and I wanted to be the best I could be. And when I went to Alaska, I knew it was division one and that it was always a dream of mine. Um, but from my perspective, and others could be different, but my perspective is that it wasn't as competitive as I wanted. It was really there because hockey was Division One, and therefore they needed a women's program to be Division One. And gymnastics was more managed rather than being pushed to be the best. And we weren't really com- competitive with the other Division One schools. And growing up, I knew Byron, and I knew that he was a good coach. And when I transferred, it was more... I wanted a coach that could get my gymnastics better and that I would help I would help a competitive team. When you went to college, did you have like an academic goal that you were seeking also or was it purely just like I'm at this point in my life, I want to do NCAA gymnastics um and really sort of finding the the right opportunities was what was driving you more than anything else? Yes, I knew after college I wanted to be a coach. I wanted to be a head coach of a 
what a competitive program, whether it be club or college, I knew that I wanted to be a head coach at some point in my life at Alaska and at Bridgeport. Um, my degree was always going to be in psychology. So I, and I could do that at most schools that I pick. Yeah. So the driving force for me was where could I make my gymnastics better, knowing that, knowing that that would be a huge part of my life after college anyway. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> my junior year, I remember we made regionals and it was the coolest thing to be like the first division two program to make D one regional regionals. And it was just a cool experience to be a part of, I think. Yeah. I, he runs a great but, team. Yeah. I, I love Bridgeport and it'll always be a part of my life when I go back and visit home. I always make a pit stop at Bridgeport. Nice. Nice. So sort of a little shifting gears here, um, yeah. but lightening it up a little bit. Do you have, uh, you know, the, the name of this podcast is Life in a Leo. Do you have a favorite Leo or a lucky Leo that you used to wear when you were growing up or competing or anything like that? Okay. So I remember the first time I got my kip, I was in a purpley, purple sparkly leotard. And to this day, I still have it in my memory box. And it's like the coolest leotard I thought it was velvet, sparkly, bright purple, and I think it was the coolest leotard because I got my kip in it, and everybody remembered, like, my the day that I got my kip, and that I would say if I could think of any leotard, that would be the leotard that I would think of first. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. So you have a, you have a memory box. Is it dedicated just yeah. to gymnastics, or do you put other things in there, too? Uh, I put other things in there, but... It, seems to be a memory box for gymnastics like all my special moments like world my world's leotards I don't know when we went to regionals I still have that leotard in there oh that's so, so cool when did yeah. you start your memory box my mom started it for me and then I kind of took over as I got a little bit older so maybe my teenage years I started putting stuff in it myself so like my baby books are in there just things to go through and be like Oh, that was a really cool moment, you know? Yeah. Oh, I love that idea. I never did anything like that. I think that's great. And then, you know, I think you bring a really unique perspective because then after college, you transitioned into tumbling. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, like, how you, how you found tumbling, how it differs from artistic gymnastics and similarities, differences, and, and where you're at now? Okay, so... Right after college, and I want to say Byron had a huge role in my position to continue with gymnastics. I remember my senior year was the greatest time of my life, really, um, in the sport. And I, by that time, I've had four surgeries. I had both of my feet, um, a knee surgery and a shoulder surgery. Oh, my goodness. So I knew that if I was going to continue with gymnastics, that I would I took a whole year to rehab and condition and just get my body into the best shape that I could. Um, but I decided to go back to artistic gymnastics first and we were having a clinic at my gym in New Hampshire and Tammy Biggs noticed that I was just training off to the side and she was like, you should really, you know, she had a conversation with my coaches about trying elite. And that's when I went elite and competed calls compulsories and qualified. And then I competed at some optional elite meets, went to the ranch and I didn't make classics or championships, but knowing how much I could push myself 
thinking that I might be level 10 and have fun with the sport, you know, maybe go to J.O. Nationals. And then by the end of the season, I could call myself a senior elite was really eye opening for me. And Mm -hmm. it was so difficult, so extremely difficult to go in two times a day. My body was hurting all the time, but it was something that I'll never, never forget, never forget. And um, so then after that year, I took another year off. And then I called Byron again. I was like, you know, I want to do gymnastics again. For some reason, I always try to quit, but I always see myself back in the gym. And instead of going to a Planet Fitness or something, I see myself conditioning at the gym and, you know, just trying to stay in shape that way. And he's like, have you ever tried tumbling? I'm like, well, I can't do trampoline. I can't I can't jump on a trampoline like that that's where it's not for me he's like well you get to specialize you don't have to do all the events under trampoline and tumbling like artistic you have to do all four events yeah like like I didn't going into this sport I had no idea I could just do tumbling and so that's kind of what sparked my interest in just specializing in one event you know it's a lot less hours because it's only one event yep and um that's when he gave me the name of some coaches and I um, started training at Roots Gymnastics in Westfield, Massachusetts, and it was amazing. They took me in, let me con- they let me train on my own in the beginning, and um, you know, see if I liked it because they had a rod floor. So okay, uh, there's very few gyms that have a rod floor, uh, the length that you're competing on, and even Roots, the rod floor was only half the length that I was competing on, and um, so for the beginning, uh, and starting the sport, it was a great place for me to be at. And once I made national team, I decided that I should compete on regulation equipment. And if I was going to move again in my life, that I would move to the best coach in the country that can get me to worlds in one year. And wow. so I moved to Virginia and Sergio is the team USA coach and he got me to worlds in in months. I mean, I only did this, I only started competing in February of last year. And then by November of last year, I was competing at worlds. That's amazing. Do you think that, you know, all the years and experience you had in artistic gymnastics gave you an edge over the other people you were competing against? Um, I'm not sure about the edge over people I was competing against, but I do think that it gave me an edge for myself to know that I'm confident enough to be pushing myself this far and this fast to be getting to their level. Uh-huh. Because going through last year, I would Google or YouTube these athletes that I was trying to compete against, but that wasn't really my driving force. My driving force was more, I want to see what I can do and see if this is possible. And I, I want to know if I'm capable of worlds. Got it. Wow. So how did you know, like when you started doing tumbling, I mean, how did you even like learn the rules or your coach was just so on top of it that they were like, this is what it is. You have to do two passes. This is what it needs to be constructed from. And then you had the option of like sort of figuring out what worked best for you or how did you figure that all out? So there is a small program. I believe the highest level for tumbling at Roots was like level seven. So there is a program for tramp and tumbling there. Um, so they, they knew the requirements and I knew for senior elite, you had to have a double A and then your second pass had to be a twisting pass, which was a full in. And I already had those skills. So my main concern was getting the consistency with whip backs uh-huh. in a row because I've never trained that before. It's usually like a runoff backhand spring, whatever you're trying to do on floor. Yeah. Where 
power tumbling is whips in a row to your major skill at the end. So what was when you were an artistic gymnast, what was your two salto pass that you did? Was it front tumbling? Nope. So my, I did a double A, then my second pass was a full in. My third pass was always changing. It was either a double pike or a front tuck through to two and a half. And then my last pass was a double pike. Yeah. I think in college, I did whip one and a half. So, yeah. Um, so I had all the tumbling that I needed to be a senior elite. So I knew that it was possible. I just didn't know how to do whip backs in a row, which seemed yeah. to be incredibly difficult for me. <laughs> um, and just to get consistency. Uh-huh. Um, Did you find it fun so, learning to tumble on the rod floor? Is it a little like? Yes. Yes. I loved having the opportunity to learn something new. And I might be biased, but I would say if there are, there are college athletes and I mean, athletes at any level that are always like, I wish I could come back. I wish I could do gymnastics again. And I do think that if more people knew about this sport, the option should be open. You can do other gymnastics. You don't have to be a college athlete and then feel like a grandma doing level 10. I mean, there are <laughs> all avenues that I just don't feel like people touch upon because they don't know about them. Uh-huh. So. Yeah. I love to tumble. I, um, I decided when I was like 28 or something that maybe I could do a double full or something stupid like that with no, you know, <laughs> conditioning or training. And sure enough, I tore my ACL and I was like, yeah, this really sucks working oh in the corporate world and dealing with yeah. this injury. And, <laughs> um, but man, I love tumbling. It's what I live for. At this point, I'm like, I'm not willing to risk anything, but <laughs> yeah, I get where you're coming from for sure. Sort of combining both sports now as an artistic gymnast and then as a tumbler, do you have like a favorite skill that you like to do in, and do you have a favorite tumbling pass that you've um, competed? And uh, yeah, just what are some of your favorite things in, in both sides of the sport? So in artistic, I always see myself trying to do bars again. <laughs> as much as I hated competing bars, I did like training them. And I wish I could do a shaposh still. Uh -huh. Did you ever yeah. do a shaposh? Yeah, for elite, I did shaposh. Nice. Was yeah, it hard to it, learn? Well, no, because the bars were on fig. So for me, it wasn't really a release skill because I was going directly from low bar to catching the high bar because <laughs> they were so close. The bars. Uh -huh. And then maybe vault. Vault would be cool to do again if I if I could. Yeah. And then for floor, it really has been – I've been really trying to learn whips. So those got kind of boring doing 100 whips a day. But um, in artistic, you call – it's a double-double. But in tumbling, they call a double-double a full-full. So okay. it's the same skill. But um, I do – I like doing those a lot. And um, I wish – Cut, laid out. <laughs> Both. Yeah. I would, yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. And um, are you and you have you're going to compete again this year doing tumbling? Um, what are your goals going? You know, knowing that you had such a phenomenal first year in the sport, you got to compete at World Championships. Well, first off, what was it like making the world team and competing at Worlds? I couldn't believe it because so we have. It's kind of what U.S. Classic is to artistic is what the elite challenge is to tumbling. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah. So that's in May, and it's at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado. 
And that was kind of the first meet that I competed with all the other senior elites. Oh, wow. Power tumbling. And I came in fifth, which was, I thought, the best that I could do. I, I had no idea that I would hold my own with them. And it was that, that was my turning point for me thinking, okay, I really belong as a senior elite, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so then I went into championships with just a, a much better mindset. And I, I remember talking to other coaches and they remind me to visualize and, um, you know, in power tumbling, they, it's different conditioning. It's a different mindset. It's a little bit more laid back than artistic gymnastics, mm-hmm. which at times I found to be completely helpful. But um, for competitions, I had to remind myself that in artistic, it helped me so much to visualize and do all those things. And I think that helped me to become second in the country, which was the biggest accomplishment for me. So going from there and and thinking that I can make worlds, this isn't just going to be luck for me, was was a huge turning point. Once I finally made the world's team and they picked it at a selection camp at the ranch, Uh I I was like, oh, my gosh, like. It was, I couldn't believe it for a couple of days, like this, nobody knows who I am, but yet I'm going to be competing at Worlds. And I think that is the coolest feeling in the world. Like all my hard work finally paid off, like at 26 years old. So <laughs> it like, just finally. gives me goosebumps hearing you say it. It's so, so incredibly exciting. Um, what a huge accomplishment. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. If I didn't have that coach, if I didn't have the conversation with Byron, like I would have never been a world, world's athlete. And it's so crazy to think, like, in one conversation, your whole life can change. And that's what happened for me. So when I got to Worlds, I saw it was like a dream come true, like, playing in front of me. And there was, for me, it was not a pressure setting because everything from this moment on was going to be way better than any expectation that I had for myself. And I actually did a lot better with that mindset, being that confident. And I stuck my second pass. My first pass was more difficulty by a point than I've done the whole year. Wow. And, and it was amazing. In prep for Worlds, do you guys all train together at the ranch and stuff like that? Or where does, how, you know, what was that process like getting ready for Worlds? And then do you t- compete both passes, like one right after another? Or is there sort of like a break? So um, you... You'll compete your first pass. Everyone will compete their first pass, and then everybody will compete their second pass. Got it. Yeah. So. So it's like rotating events, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They have their twisting pass. Uh Uh-huh. And then did the U.S. team, did you guys train together before Worlds? Or uh Uh-huh. How long did you guys get to train together before you went? So I forget the time frame, but they pick the team, and then you go back to your club gym and train. I want to say it was for like a month and then a week before worlds, we would go and train all at the ranch together Nice uh, for a week. And then we left from the ranch to go to Bulgaria to compete. So cool. And did you get to like, what was the experience like in Bulgaria? Did you guys get to like interact with all the other teams? And um, was there somebody that you sort of like had looked up to as a power tumbler that you got to meet or anything like that, that stands out? We stayed at a different hotel than all the other countries, but I mean, going around, you always saw the other countries. My idol in the sport is her name's Fang Fang from China. And I mean, she wins 
every single year. And she's amazing. <laughs> never, she never messes up, it seems. But I got to take a picture with her. And I felt like a little 12-year-old girl again. Like, this this is my dream come true. Oh, I even have a better story. So I was at the ranch. And I, I never met Bella in person. And so the whole time I was like, everybody's been there. I mean, years. Everybody has been to the ranch years when they're going to Worlds, minus myself, apparently. <laughs> so I was telling everybody, if I get to meet Bella, I it will be so cool. Or Marta, you know? Yeah. And so um, on the last day, um, Bella was standing, like, right by the door when we walked into camp and or walked into training that morning. And I guess it was, like, set up so that I could take a picture and talk to him. And it was so cool. It was really oh, that's cool. awesome. <laughs> So how how often are you training now, and, like, when does competition season start again for this next year? So um, I'm still kind of figuring out what I want to do with the sport. Um, at Worlds, my shoulder was torn again. Not, not on a major, you know, I didn't hurt it. There wasn't a major fall or anything, but, again, yeah. it's torn, and I need surgery on it. Um, and my back was fractured, L5. Was oh my goodness! But I think just over time, you know, my I'm not 12 anymore. So, right. Um. So I took a couple months off, and I my first day back to the gym was yesterday. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so I'm sore today, but I'm going back fully prepared and wanting to do the passes that I did last year and make worlds again. And and I just want to see. Right now, I'm just trying to get back in shape and figure out what my body can physically do because uh -huh. mentally I want to be there again but they they both have to kind of meet up for it to work yeah so did you have surgery since worlds or no so I didn't that's going to be a six month rehab and after after surgery I'll be out for six months and I simply don't think that if I take six months off I will be able to come back uh -huh. so I, I have decided to do p possible and hope that I can be strong enough to get back into the gym and focus on training wow. as much as possible. Wow. Oh, so impressive. Um, I'm going to, uh, again, shift it a little bit. So what are your, you know, what's life like for you outside of the gym? What are some of your, like, your favorite foods and favorite things mm -hmm. to do outside of the gym? Um, so one of my favorite hobbies is trying new restaurants and new new things I've noticed with time off of the gym I've and I'm living in a new place now being coached by Sergio so um, I've only lived in Virginia for a couple months and I've noticed myself walking around just exploring new places and um, I guess there's a place called Duck Donuts that is known worldwide that I, I want to try and I just like trying new places and keeping myself busy in that respect uh-huh I don't know, go, going on hikes, I know that sounds silly, but enjoying nature and just kind of being outdoors. No, that's awesome. From all the experiences you have, do you have, like, what's your biggest takeaway if you could, you know, talking to younger generations of athletes and stuff um, across all sides of gymnastics, like, is there yep. a big takeaway that you, or piece of advice that you'd like to share? I don't know how to put it in words, but even if your path is different, it doesn't mean it's wrong. Mm -hmm. I, I like remember growing up and I mean, even if I had surgery, I'd be out on the sidelines watching everybody else get better thinking I will never catch up to them, but it's okay. That's the path that you're supposed to be on, even though it doesn't make sense in the moment and you don't want it to be that way. 
I think if you try to find as cliche as it sounds, if you find the positive, it will help you get back faster. Mm -hmm. And if you truly outwork everyone, you will get there at some point. It may not be in the time frame that seems normal or, you know, on on track, but you'll get there if you outwork everybody. And and that's what I try to tell. Even when I'm coaching, it's like it's okay if it takes you months to get your back handspring or your kip, whatever you're trying to do. But if you keep working at it, you'll get there in your time. And that's what I take away from my story. Awesome. And, and I think I, I think it would be a good lesson because everyone gets frustrated when they see everybody else moving up and getting better. And actually, um, I'm reading Allie Raisman's book right now, which is very eye-opening. I mean, I guess she was the underdog growing up, and she outworked everybody. And I think outworking, just working your hardest will pay off. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's so. great. I mean, you have so much passion. You can just hear it in the way, you know, with all the goals you've had and the fact that, you know, you want to continue to coach and um, run a program and stuff. I mean, you, you definitely got bit by the gymnastics bug early. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, cool. And then yeah. the last question I have for you is, you know, like I said, this podcast is called Life in a Leo. So mm -hmm. what is, you know, when you hear that, what does that mean to you? Life in a Leo, I think it's more than gymnastics. I think it's every everything that embodies what gymnastics stands for and, um, you know, taking taking away what you learn in gymnastics and bring it bring it into everyday life and and experiencing all that gymnastics and, you know, life in a Leo can teach you, I think, is how I take away from that. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time. Good luck. Um, we're you. all rooting for you and I hope, um, you know, like you said, everything aligns your body and your mind, uh, cooperate and you have a great <laughs> yeah. season this year. I'm praying for that. I'm praying for that. Thank <laughs> you so much. Sure. Thanks, Melissa or Mel. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Bye. Bye. It's time for our favorite segment, the best thing that's happened in the gym all week. Don't forget to send us a voice memo. It doesn't matter when. We can accept them anytime. We'll throw them into the next episode or the one after that. Tell us what the best thing is that's happened to you in the gym this week or at a meet or anything gymnastics related. Email me, Rebecca, at leotard.com. Find the voice memo feature on your phone and just record your voice and send it in. You could do it at the gym. You could do it afterwards. Whenever you want, we want to hear from you. Okay, here we go. Hi, my name's Tara, and last night I was at Open Gym. I was working on my kit, and I got it. I'm really excited because I might be able to put it in my Excel gold routine this next meet. Hi, my name is Blakely and I'm eight years old. The best thing that happened to me at gymnastics this month was getting my flyaway on high bar and my back walkover series on high beam. Well, that's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. This is Life in a Leo. Make sure to listen next Friday when we interview Bailey McCabe from Auburn Gymnastics. Hope you have a great meet weekend. Make sure to stick those landings and point your toes. Till next time.